I want to ask you to go to the book of Joshua. We're going to go to the book of Joshua tonight. Vamos a ir al libro de Josué esta noche. And I want to begin sharing with you a little bit about the Joshua generation. Quiero compartir un poco con nosotros esta noche sobre la generación de Josué. And while you find the book of Joshua, I want to just ask you to be in prayer uh, for uh, one of our uh, church families in uh, San Antonio. Uh, many of you know Dr. Raul Garza and his wife, uh, Sister Cecilia. Sister Cecilia is our national women's uh, president, and Dr. Garza has served on our board of trustees. And they suffered the loss of their 20-year-old son uh, last week and uh, was laid to rest today. And so we uh, want to be in prayer for them uh, that God would strengthen their hearts. The enemy is strong in his attack against uh, the family of God. And he is in particular, it seems in these days, as we have read certain headlines, he seems to be attacking the household of pastors. And so we need to be raising up a great blanket of prayer over uh, the pastors of America and over your pastor. Are you praying for me? Amen. I, I know you are. I can uh, pray you will continue to do that. But the enemy thinks that he's going to uh, hinder the work of the church. What he forgets is that every time that he attacks the body of Christ, uh, it strengthens our resolve to continue going. Say amen, somebody. And so tonight, if you're in a struggle, I just want to encourage you with something as we get started, uh, that if you're in a struggle, it's only proof that you haven't been conquered. Say amen, somebody. Uh, si, si usted está peleando ahorita, esa, esa guerra es prueba que usted no ha sido conquistado. Uh, so how many of you have some proof you haven't been conquered? ¿Cuántos tienen prueba que no han sido conquistado? Some of you have a whole lot of proof, right? Say, Pastor, I've got nothing but proof right now. Quizá usted dice, no tengo nada sino pruebas ahorita que no he sido conquistado. Well, you haven't been conquered because God is with you. Usted no ha sido conquistado. Porque Dios está contigo. On the contrary, you are conquering. A lo contrario, usted está conquistando. Nobody said amen there. But I said, on the contrary, you are conquering. Because Jesus said that through him, the scripture said that through Christ, we are more than conquerors. Dice la escritura que en Jesús somos más que vencedores. And what's, what's the difference there if you think about that phrase? Uh, si usted estudia esa frase, to be more than a conqueror, um, it means that the conqueror has to go and fight. But to be more than a conqueror means you don't have to fight for it. It's been fought for. And tonight, because you're in Christ, then you're not fighting for it. God has fought for you. And the victory belongs to you. Say amen, somebody. Entonces, cuando somos más que conquistadores o más que vencedores, el vencedor tiene que pelear, pero el que es más que vencedor recibe la, la ganancia del que venció. Y esa ganancia es nuestra por medio de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. Now, the book of Joshua is the book that follows the book of Deuteronomy. El libro de Josué es el libro que sigue el libro de Deuteronomio. Not only chronologically in your Bible, but also chronologically in the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, Deuteronomy was written by Moses, and Moses dies in the last chapter of Deuteronomy. And the first chapter of the book of Joshua begins with the scene of the death of Moses and the beginning of a new season for the nation of Israel. As they go into conquering the promised land, but now they're going to go under the leadership of Joshua. And I believe that Kingsway Church is a Joshua generation. Uh, the, the generation of Moses did not get to enter the promised land. But Joshua's generation did get to enter the promised land. And it had nothing to do necessarily with their age. It had to do with their insight or their revelation that they had from God. 
La generación de Moisés no alcanzó a entrar a la tierra prometida Pero la generación de Josué sí entró Y no tiene nada que ver con que uno sea más viejo, más joven en edad Sino tiene que ver con la revelación que uno tiene Hacia las cosas de Dios And so tonight beginning at verse 1, Joshua chapter 1 We began studying on the Joshua generation. The word of God says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, and you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, so the sons of Israel. And every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. For the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites as far as the great sea, toward the setting sun, will be your territory. And no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, and I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession, say possession, of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. And this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. I, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for victory that we feel in our soul tonight. We thank you for the lightening of our burdens. We thank you for the healing of our bodies. We thank you for the peace of our minds. And we thank you for the word of God, which is living and powerful. I pray tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word and teach the word. And that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that we might receive the, the word into the fertile soil of our hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Sorry about that. I've been a little hoarse lately. The book of Joshua is a book of conquest. El libro de Josué es un libro de conquista. And the reason that this is such a burden uh, to my heart, la razón que esto es tanta carga mi corazón, is that I want you to conquer what God has promised you. Uh, yo quiero que usted posee o conquiste lo que Dios le ha prometido. God has not just given us empty promises. Say amen, somebody. But he has given us the ability to possess what he has promised over our life. Dios no solamente nos ha dado promesas, sino nos ha dado la habilidad de poseer las cosas que Él ha prometido a nuestra vida. And these uh, verses in the book of Joshua, these first nine verses, have so much uh, richness, not only in prophecy or in a promise, but also in strategy for the body of Christ today. Estos nueve versos de la Escritura están muy ricos con promesa y también con estrategia para lo que Dios quiere darnos en nuestro día. And let's notice some of the promises that are in the book. Vamos a notar algunas de las promesas que están aquí en, este, en, este parafo, uh, uh, en esta oración que hemos leído. Let's look at some of the promises here in this uh, paragraph that we have read. First of all, he says in verse 3, uh, He says that he is going to give them every place that the sole of their foot treads. En el verso 3, les dice que él les va a dar todo el lugar que su pie toque. 
Entonces Él les está diciendo cualquier cosa que ustedes persigan Eso lo van a obtener He's saying to them if you pursue anything you will obtain it And God is speaking to us today as well Because many times we have not because we ask not Muchas veces no tenemos porque no pedimos And many times we have not because we pursue not. Muchas veces no tenemos porque no uh, perseguimos aquellas cosas. We use statements like someday I'd like to, I wish, maybe. And we never have any real intention of pursuing what God has promised for our life. And yet there's a promise written over your life and mine. And God says, I will give you possession of the land that you have been desiring. And so God says, if you desire to be a soul winner, pursue soul winning. And every place the, foot of, the sole of your foot treads, I'm going to give to you. Say amen, somebody. And on and on these promises go. And if you and I will pursue the promise of God, we're going to obtain it. God says, I promise you peace, so pursue peace. I promise you joy, so pursue joy. I promise you success and victory, so pursue success and victory. I have already given it to you. And then if you read down a little bit more, he says in verse 5, no man will be able to stand against you. Now that is an extraordinary promise And uh, it's been ringing in my ears all week long, this little phrase, no man, say that with me, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Think about that. God says to his people, no man, say it again, no man. Listen, most of the problems we have have a man behind them. Not, maybe not necessarily a male, but a human being, right, a man. And Oftentimes we think that our future is in the hands of a man or in the hands of a woman or in the hands of your boss or in the hands of your landlord or in the hands of whoever. But let me just tell you, your future and your blessing is not in anyone's hands but in God's hands and in your willingness to believe God. Say amen, somebody. So he says, no man, say it again will be able to stand against you when? Sundays? All the days of your life. Listen, so next time you walk away from a situation defeated with your shoulders slumped and your head down, just stop for a moment and say, wait a minute. No man will be able to stand against me. Now I want you just to picture what's standing in front of you. Because God says he's already given you victory over that. No man will be able to stand in front of you. And many times, too many times, we give people and we give, uh, we give things too much of a place in our life. We give them too much authority over our life. And we stand on the border of a promise from God and there's a liar there, there's a devil there, there's a demon there, there's a person there that is telling you you can't, you won't. It's not yours, it doesn't belong to you. And too easily we accept what's being said by that enemy. And we have to remember, wait a minute, God has written a promise over my life. No man will be able to stand against me all the days of my life. Why? Because I'm not standing alone. God is standing with me. Say amen, somebody. Dios ha escrito una promesa sobre sus hijos. Y él dice, ningún hombre... Podrá hacerte frente todos los días de tu vida. Esa promesa significa que usted y yo no debemos darle ningún lugar a las personas determinar si vamos a estar contentos o no. Si vamos a estar feliz o no. Tenemos que determinar, nadie me va a poder detener de recibir lo que Dios tiene para mí. In Spanish, the, the phrase is a little stronger. It says, no man will be able to confront you or to uh, withhold you. It's, it's representing uh, more than just a passive thing. But there is a sense in which even that confrontation of the enemy will not be able to stand against you. I had an experience recently where I was on the phone 
with somebody who was handling an account that I needed some information about. And the guy was being um, unprofessional. Let's just say it like that. Um, estaba yo en el teléfono con alguien que estaba tratando con una cuenta que yo necesitaba información. Y el varón que estaba hablando conmigo no era muy profesional. And I have a problem, and that is that whenever I hear an attitude, I just can't hear anything else. El problema que yo tengo es cuando alguien me da una actitud mala, ya no oigo yo nada más. And on a few occasions, I have said to people who have been giving me a bad attitude on the phone, I have, I have said, excuse me, um, I called in politely, and um, I don't think I deserve this attitude. And... Uh, that usually gets people's attention because you know when you when you make that call, it says at the beginning, this call may be recorded, right? So they get they take that real seriously. But this particular guy was giving me an attitude, and I was about to say what I usually say, but then I stopped, and I said, "Are you the person in charge of my account?" He said, "No." I said, "Well, then let me talk to the person in charge of my account," and I realized I was letting. I was letting somebody that had no authority, no power, affect me. Am I sounding familiar now? Because you see, most days we let people who have no authority, no power, they can't say yes, they can't say no, they can't bless you, and we're giving them authority and power over how we feel. Say, stop it. No man, say it with me, no man will be able to stand against me. All the days of my life. Do you believe that? Shout amen. You, you don't have to give people too much authority in your life. I'll give you another example. I went to a restaurant and uh, I went with the board of trustees of which I am a member. And so this, is, this restaurant was in my home turf. So I was going to get things set up for them. And I went to the waitress and I said, ma'am, I need a table for seven. Can we put these two tables together? She said, no. Well, there was no one in the restaurant. You know how this goes. There's no one in the restaurant. There's no reason why we can't put two tables together. And um, and I was about to get into it with her. You know, I said, well, you know, this, there's nobody here. What's the big deal? But then I remember, wait a minute, she's just a waitress. Why don't I go talk to the owner? I know the owner. And so when I went and talked to the owner, now the owner came and put the tables together and sat us the way we needed to be sat. Why? Because I, I, I have to encourage you to stop taking no from people that don't have the authority to say yes. What am I telling you? I'm telling you to listen for a voice higher than the voice of the stranger. Listen for what God is saying because he's the one that has the authority to say yes or to say no. So look, when you get a bad report from the doctor or a lawyer or a friend or, a, or anybody else, a colleague or your boss, just tell them, wait a little bit. I'm going to go up to the owner and see what he has to say about it. See what God has to say on this matter. Come on, somebody. God says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. That's a good promise. And then we have another promise in here, and he says, I'm going to be with you. He says in the verse 9, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You are never alone. Usted nunca va solo. Say that with me. I am never alone. Listen, anything that you decide to pursue for God, God says, I am going with you. And our God doesn't know defeat. He doesn't know setbacks. And so you and I are going to walk through this promised land and there are going to be giants in that land. There are going to be mountains in that land. There are going to be valleys in that land. And God says, wherever you go, I'm with you. Wherever you go, I'm with you. Now, this ought to be very alarming to us. Because, look, if you go nowhere, God goes nowhere either. Say amen, somebody. See, we like to send God out on our errands in the morning. Say, Lord, 
go find me a job. Lord, go find me a blessing. No, what does he say? Wherever you go. If you don't go, he doesn't go either. Because he's with you. Dios dice, yo iré todo lugar que tú vayas. Así que si usted no va a ningún lugar, él tampoco fue. Usted no lo puede enviar a hacer el mandado. Usted no puede decir, Señor, ve, búscame una bendición. Él dice, si tú vas, yo voy a ir contigo. So he says, if you go lay hands on the sick, I'm going to go with you. If you go preach, I'm going to go with you. Come on, somebody. If you go apply for that job, I'm going to go with you. If you go to try to acquire that house, I'm going to go with you. Somebody needs to say amen. God says, if you stay at home watching Netflix, I'm going to stay at home watching Netflix with you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What are you doing? ¿Qué está haciendo usted? Porque Dios dice, lo que usted haga, lo voy a hacer con usted. Lo voy a acompañar. We've got to live our life in such a way that we maximize the power of the presence of God in our life. Tenemos que vivir nuestra vida de tal manera que hacemos el máximo impacto de la presencia de Dios en su vida. Listen to what I'm saying. You need to make a maximum impact of the presence of God in your life. Look, when you need God's presence, you don't have to get, you know, one foot behind the other and say, Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and start, you know, start pulling your shambach and your old, uh, your old uh, Pentecostal moves. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus, and he's right there. I said he's right there. And you don't have to conjure him up. You don't have to bribe him. You can't manipulate him. He's there. He says, I will be with you wherever you go. So go somebody and go somewhere worth going. Because God says, I'm with you. And these promises are just a couple of the samplings that we can find here in this book. But now I want us to look at the strategy that we find in this paragraph. Ahora vamos a ver un poco la estrategia que hay aquí en este párrafo. Look at verse 1. He says, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that God spoke to Joshua. I want, to, I want you to notice here that in order to go into a new season, something has to die. Note conmigo que para entrar a una época o una, un nivel nuevo, algo tiene que morir. In this case, Moses dies. Now Moses is the man. He's the guy that led Israel for 40 years. All right? You and I cannot imagine what it would have been like to lose Moses. Because Moses was the guy that you saw who challenged Pharaoh. He challenged Pharaoh's magicians. He challenged Pharaoh's army. He came in uh, by the power of the Spirit, parted the Red Sea. Moses manifested the glory of God. They saw Moses go up into the mountain of God, Mount Oreb, for 40 days without eating. And when he came back down, he was not emaciated and tired and weary, but he was glowing with the glory of God. They saw Moses who when people attacked him, when people challenged his ministry, Moses didn't defend himself. God just let the ground open up and swallow the attackers. And on another occasion when someone challenged Moses, Moses didn't defend himself. Uh, Moses' sister attacked him because he had married an African woman and she was, uh, I guess, having a racist problem. And so the Lord put her into judgment and made her a leper. And then guess who prayed for her to get healed? Moses. So the people saw the power of God on this man. They saw the, the way that God used him, and he was such an incredible person, such an incredible man, that nobody got to see him die, and nobody went to his funeral but God. God was his pallbearer, God preached his funeral, and God buried him. 
so that no one would be able to worship Moses. And, and you just imagine having God preach your funeral. And we get a taste of it right here because he says, Moses, my servant. God thought so highly of Moses. And he, he was committed to the life of this man. And yet Moses was not able to enter the promised land. He got to see the promised land. Because the Bible tells us that the Lord took him up to a high mountain and, and from that mountain he looked over the Jordan and he saw the promised land, but he didn't get to go in to the promised land. He died in the wilderness because of unbelief. But God gave Moses something even greater, I think, than uh, being able to physically enter the promised land. And that is that thousands of years later, when Jesus was on the earth, the Bible said that Jesus went up to a high mountain and was transfigured before his disciples. And when he was transfigured, that means that Jesus unveiled his glory. He let them see his, his godness. And the Bible said that when he did that, the disciples uh, fell on their faces because they saw the glory of Christ. They saw the whiteness of his robes and the splendor of his face. And they fell on their faces. And when they looked up, they saw Jesus having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. So although Moses didn't physically enter the promised land, Moses met the promised land because really the promised land was never the land. It was Jesus. Jesus is the land flowing with milk and honey. Come on, somebody. Jesus is the, 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 the blessing and the promise of God. And so Moses is an incredible figure. There is, it's impossible for us to diminish the role of Moses. But here's the thing. That when you fall in love with the way God worked in the last season, you can't go into the new season. And many times the church gets stuck in how God used to do it. To the extent that it can't go into what God wants to do now. And so when you think about church, you think about the fact some things have to die. In order for us to be able to go to a new level. And this is true anytime you're going to go to a new level, something's going to have to die. Something has to end. There is a, a phase in life where you leave certain things behind. La vida es tal que siempre algo tiene que morir cuando usted va a entrar a una época nueva. Porque si usted se enamora de lo que Dios hizo ayer, no puede recibir lo que Dios quiere hacer mañana o quiere hacer hoy. Entonces Moisés tiene que morir para que uh, el pueblo pueda seguir adelante. And so Moses has to die so the people can go into the new level. And I just want to challenge you with this. To let the dead bury the dead. Say amen, somebody. You say, what does that mean, pastor? In the Gospels, a man came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, I want to follow you. I'm going to follow you, but I have to go bury my parents first. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. In other words, he said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to let some things die. You've got to let some things go so that you can follow me. And when, when I say to you, let the dead bury the dead, I'm telling you, I'm challenging you to let things die that God is trying to kill. Stop trying to resuscitate things that God is saying, this is no longer how I'm going to do this in your life. Listen, if you're in a, in a relationship, not a marriage, but a re non-married relationship, and the Lord keeps telling you, you need to end this thing, you need to end this thing, and he keeps breaking that thing up, and you just keep rebuilding it and reviving it and resurrecting it, God is saying, until you let this thing die, I can't give you what I want to give you. Say amen, somebody. Now, if you're in marriage, that's a different scenario. All right? But there are some things God says, look, you can't take that into the promised land. Some of them are mindsets. That you used to do things a certain way. You used to solve problems a certain way. You used to uh, deal with, with anxiety a certain way. Or you used to deal with feeling lonely a certain way. But if you're going to go into the promised land, God says you can't do that anymore. 
That's dead now. That has to die so that I can take you to the place that I want to take you and so that you can progress. Listen, if, if you saw a grown man in his 40s today walking around with a security blanket and a pacifier, you would have to say to him, brother, let's let that die. What happens when you don't let it die? You can't move on. Si usted no deja morir las cosas que tienen que morir, usted no puede seguir adelante. And some of you are still mourning. And you're still grieving over things that have left your life. And God is telling you tonight, nothing has left your life that you need in this season to be able to do the will of God. Nada ha dejado tu vida que usted necesita para hacer la voluntad de Dios. I don't think you heard me. I said nothing has left your life that you need. Everything you need, God has had put into your life. And if something has left your life, it's because you didn't need it. Say, I didn't need it. You may have needed it then. You see, there's a day when you need a pacifier, but then you have to move on. There's a day when your pencil is that big around, right? But then you have to move on. There's a day when you have... Uh, when you go to school and the lines on the paper are an inch thick, and you have to someday move on to get to a new level, to a new place. And, and the Bible says this, the Apostle Paul speaking, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, and I thought like a child, I acted like a child, I did childish things. But then I became a man. Say somebody, I became a man. It's, I grew up. You see, he said, I became a man, and what did I do? I put away childish things. God doesn't have any problem with you having a, a box of old toys. All right? But when you pull them out every week to play with them, he says, you have to put away childish things. Now, this is a major point of conquest because when you compare the two generations, gen the Moses generation received manna from heaven every single day. Well, here's all I want you to think of from now on. When you think of manna, think of baby food. Manna was for an immature generation, a generation that had to see to believe. A generation that couldn't believe God. And then the Bible said when they came into the promised land, they crossed the Jordan, the manna stopped. No more baby food. They got, the Bible says, old corn. That means they, they grew corn. They started to grow crops. They started eating meat. They went from baby food to solid food. They went from immaturity to maturity. Why? Because the old man died. The childish things were put away and new things were adopted. Cuando el pueblo de Israel entró a la tierra prometida, dice la escritura que la maná cesó. Y el maná era como comida para niños. Era Dios dándoles diariamente su alimentación. Pero cuando entraron a la tierra prometida, ya no comieron ese, ese maná, sino que cesó. Y ahora comieron uh, trigo y comieron uh, maíz uh, viejo, que es decir, comieron el producto de la tierra. Ahora habían madurado a tal lugar que ellos podían llegar a hacer algo mejor. And when you notice the difference, uh, I've said this a hundred times, I'll probably say a hundred times more. The, the Moses generation, they saw miracles, but the Joshua generation performed miracles. Now, which would you rather do? Which would you rather be? Would you rather be the generation that's always getting a miracle, or would you rather be the generation that is a miracle? What's the difference, Pastor? Here's the difference. The Moses generation prays like this, Lord, just help me pay my light bill this month. Oh, they're going to turn off my lights, and I have all that fresh produce from the from the food distribution in the refrigerator, and it's going to spoil if I don't get uh, if I don't get this light bill paid. Or the Joshua generation prays like this: Lord, help me have enough this month to 
to be able to pay someone else's light bill if I have to. Which life do you want? Which life do you want? Joshua? Do you want that Joshua life? Then you have to, you have to be willing to grow and to let go of things that were for yesterday. And so whenever I see you in, in church on Wednesday night, I see the people who want to grow. Say amen. Look, Sunday morning, everybody comes. Sunday night, a few people come. Wednesday night, the ones who want to grow come. So you're deciding which group you're in. On Sunday morning, you're here and you are able to encourage other people who are on manna still. But God don't want you eating manna all your life. He wants you to come in to the goodness of God, the, the, the greatness of God. But that's a place of maturity. And that's a place where as you mature, you begin to arrive at a place that when, when, uh, when you were first saved and you used to pray, Lord, let there be a parking space right up front at the donut shop. And I'll know it's your will for me to have a donut. And then after the 14th time driving around the block, there it was. I said, thank you, Lord. You love me so much. But when you grow up and you have to park at the last spot at Walmart and you walk to the door with joy, you're, you're starting to live at another level. Say amen, somebody. So he says, Moses is dead. I'm not going to revive him. I'm not bringing him back. Because I'm going to do a new thing. Moisés ha muerto. No lo voy a revivir. No lo voy a resucitar. Yo voy a hacer algo nuevo. Algo mayor que Moisés. I'm going to do something bigger than Moses. And here's what I want you to realize here. That God used Joshua as well and as much as he used Moses. But he didn't use him in the same way. Dios usó a Josué. En formas que él no usó a, Jos a, a, a Moisés, pero no lo usó en la misma forma. Listen, Moses had a staff, and when he raised that staff, things happened. Joshua didn't have a staff. You see, and when you commit to the way it used to be done, you can't, you're, not, you're not letting God say, look, this is what I'm going to do now. This is what I'm going to accomplish in your life now, there were some things that Moses had to use that were no longer going to be useful in this new life. And here's the biggest difference. Listen, Moses represents uh, an approach to God by laws and by rules and by regulations. Moses represents the law of Moses is a, is a, 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 a covenant with God built on performance. But Joshua represents the grace of God. Operating in people who didn't deserve it, but simply believed God. And so you see, if you live under the law of Moses, then the only way you can approach God is through performance and through rules and rituals and regulations. But I'm here to tell you, there's a higher life. Say amen, somebody. And that life is the life of grace, where you are justified before God, not on the basis of your ability to perform a covenant or a rule or regulation, but on the simple fact that you believed Jesus and you confessed him with your mouth as Lord, you believed him in your heart, and God made you a child of God by faith. Say amen, somebody. So you want to be a part of the Joshua generation, I promise you. You see, because the Moses generation thinks like this, I wonder if God loves me. I lost my temper with the guy on the phone. I wonder if God still loves me. Maybe I need to go to church and do a few Our Fathers and perform some rituals and get back in line with God. But the Joshua generation knows that the moment you say, Lord, forgive me, put it under the blood, that it's over. And God doesn't love you any more or any less because you sinned. Say amen, somebody. I said, God doesn't love you any more or any less. Listen, sin doesn't change God's love about you. It changes maybe how he can bless you, 
how much he can bless you. But God loves you. And the Joshua generation walks under the knowledge. I'm walking under the love of God. La generación de Josué camina bajo el conocimiento que Dios me ama. No tiene que siempre estar pensando si Dios me ama o no. La generación de Moisés es una generación que quiere placer a Dios a través de sus obras. Pero la generación de Josué sabe que Dios tiene placer en mí a través de la gracia de Jesús y la fe que yo he puesto en él. Listen, the Joshua generation walks freely. It walks with joy. It walks in overflow because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about what the blood of Jesus has bought for me. And as long as I'm walking in faith, I can have everything that Jesus died and rose again to give me. Say amen, somebody. La, la generación de Josué camina bajo el conocimiento que todo lo que Jesús compró en la cruz del Calvario es mío y es para mí. Now, I want you to notice that's the first part of the strategy. Something has to die. Now, I don't want you to go home and kill stuff, all right? Just if God is trying to kill something in your life, let it happen. You say, Pastor, what does this look like? Well, there might be, there might be a, a, a prayer that you have before God that you're saying, Lord, I need you to do this in this way. And God is saying, I need you to die to your way and let me handle this. But if you did it my way, it would be better and I'd have more peace of mind about it. No, this has to die. Your way doesn't work. It might be your timing that has to die. Well, Lord, I thought you were going to do it by the time I was 40. And I'm 45 now. And I just don't see it happening. And God says, you have to die to your timing and let me do this my way. You see? It's not, it's not as difficult when you just sit back and you let God point out what it is he's trying to take out of the way so that you can go into the next season, into the next level of your life. Now look at verse 6. Here's the next part of the strategy. He says, be strong and courageous. Aquí está otra parte de la estrategia. Dice, ser Fuerte y valiente. Esfuérzate y ser valiente. Now, if you're going to possess the land, you're going to have to let some things go, but you're also going to have to be strong. Say, be strong. Now, if God says be strong, that means there's some weakness. Si Dios dice ser fuerte, esfuérzate, es porque hay una debilidad. And I just want to say a few things about weakness, all right? So if you can... Jot these down for, um, for just a quick minute while I go through them. I want to say these things about weakness because they're going to help you understand where your strength is coming from. First of all, everyone has a weakness. Todos tenemos debilidad. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you think you don't have a weakness, you just showed us your weakness. Everyone has a weakness. Now, not everyone's weakness is the same. That's why it's unwise to pick on other people's weaknesses or to criticize them. Todos tenemos debilidades, por eso no es sabio juzgar a otra persona por su debilidad. Listen, just, just because their weakness is different doesn't mean that yours is better. Say amen, somebody. He said, that guy needs to stop smoking. Come on, he's already been in church a year and, and six months and two days. He just needs to stop smoking. Now, what about you lying? Well, it doesn't smell, though, right? It doesn't smell when I lie. It's different. No, it's not different. Your weakness and my weakness is all weakness. And... And the other thing I want to encourage you about is don't criticize people when they're weak in their season because you're going to have a season someday too. So I, I hear people say, you know, uh, they criticize people who have a teenager who's going through hard times. 
And I, and I see them with three and four-year-olds, and I think, well, that's why they're criticizing the teenagers, because their baby hadn't got there yet. But guess what? Guess what? He's going to get there. Say amen, papas and mamas. He's going to get there. And so you just keep your weakness to yourself. Because where you're strong, someone else may be weak. And where someone else is strong, you may be weak. The second thing I need you to understand here is that God knows your weakness fully. Dios conoce tu debilidad completamente. Now that's a little scary. God knows your weakness fully. I would say it like this maybe a little bit more. Uh, it's better this way. The Father knows your weakness fully. El Padre conoce tu debilidad completamente. There is nothing that God doesn't know about you. Now, I told you that's a little scary, but it shouldn't be scary. It should be encouraging. Because guess what? He knew your weakness, and he still loved you. He knew your weakness, and he still called you. Come on, somebody. He knew your weakness, and he still blessed you. Now, that ought to scare you and put you in awe and worship of God anyway when you realize, okay, I, there's some people I love because I don't know them. But if I knew them, I may not love them. But God knew us inside and out better than we knew ourselves. And yet he set his affection upon us. He loved us and he drew us to himself. He called us to himself. And here we are tonight sitting in the house of God, hearing the word of God because God didn't choose us based on our weakness, but because of his love towards us. The Father knows your weakness completely. And you, there's nothing you can do that could surprise God. No hay nada que usted pueda hacer que pueda sorprender a Dios. All right, the next thing we need to understand about weakness is that God will make every effort to reveal your weakness to you. Otra cosa que tenemos que entender es que Dios hará todo lo posible por revelarte tu debilidad. If you know that's true, say amen. How many of you have ever seen God hint at your weakness? Oh, he doesn't get right down until he just gets in the neighborhood. Maybe the pastor says something while he's preaching, doesn't know anything about you, and, and nobody knows, and, and yet you're like, wait a minute. It's like he's reading my mail. Pastor's a hacker. He's reading my emails. No, the Holy Spirit's a hacker and a stalker. Right? He was there when you did what you did. And he makes every effort, every effort to reveal that weakness to us. Why? Because he wants to heal it. He wants to deliver us from it. That's why he'll put it in the mouth of the preacher. That's why he'll put it on the radio when you're driving down the road. That's why you'll read it in the newspaper. God keeps signaling out, this is, what, this is what's going on in your life. This is what's going on in your life. And you keep saying, I rebuke you, devil. And God's saying, I'm trying to get this healed in your life. And that's the love of God at work. Dios hará todo lo posible para revelar tu debilidad a ti. Para que tú puedas saber cómo ser sano, cómo ser libre. Él quiere que usted y yo seamos sanos de esa debilidad. Y en, en, en Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, the devil has desired to sift you like wheat. He was saying to Peter, Peter, there's a weakness in you. The enemy is after. But he's, I love the next verse. He said, but I have prayed for you. Le dijo, Simón, Simón, el enemigo ha deseado zarandearte como el trigo, pero yo he orado por ti. Isn't that encouraging? Jesus is praying for you. 
That's why your business ended up on the mouth of the preacher. Because Jesus is interceding for you before the Father. And he's saying, Lord, before it's too late, let my word go and pierce their heart and bring them to conviction so that they might turn to God and be saved. So they can turn to God and be delivered. Now, this is also true. And it's very important for you to understand. Hell will send someone into your life to feed your weakness. Say, uh uh-oh. El infierno, el enemigo va a enviar a alguien a tu vida para alimentar tu debilidad. So watch out. Tell your neighbor, watch out. Listen, there are people in your life feeding your weakness. And this is why it's so important when you get your life, when you're starting to get your life right, and you're giving your, you've given your life to Christ, that you have to stop walking with the people you used to walk with. Because the enemy is always going to send somebody to feed what's killing you. So be careful who you listen to. Are you listening? Be careful who you listen to. Because somebody's feeding your weakness. Somebody's telling you what the flesh wants to hear. And if you're not careful, the people you're you're listening to are going to take you to hell. They're going to take you downward. They're going to destroy what God is building up in your life. Don't let that, don't let that be um, a, a, uh, a story that we tell about you or that you tell about me. We need to be on the alert. There's a devil out there, and he is trying to take advantage of your weakness. Hay un enemigo ahí que quiere buscar tomar ventaja de tu enemigo. So you need to be praying, Lord, is there other people in my life that are feeding my weakness? And if there are, if he reveals them to you, you don't have to tell them, look, I don't want to see you ever again. Why well, you have to do that? You just stop listening with your heart. You just stop giving them your attention. Stop giving them your focus. And you start giving your focus and your attention to God. Then you also need to understand this. You can only overcome your weakness by the word of God. Solo usted puede vencer la debilidad a través de la palabra de Dios. So you've got to have the word of God in order to overcome the weaknesses in your life. And just like I taught you on Sunday morning, Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, what was his response? His response was to go to the word of God. And you know, three times Jesus told the devil, it is written. And you know, all three times he quoted the book of Deuteronomy. Every one of those phrases came out of the book of Deuteronomy. You know what that tells me? Jesus was reading the book of Deuteronomy. He was studying the word of God. He didn't say, Pastor Isaac said, or my rabbi said, or Moses said. He said, it is written. God's word says this. Finally, note this about weakness, is that when you overcome your weakness, God will give you a great reward. Cuando usted vence su debilidad, hay galardón. There's a harvest on the other side. Listen, you're not missing out when you say no to the world. And you're not missing out when you say no to the flesh. God knows how to reward those who love him. Now, let's turn those around real quick, all right? Everyone has a strength. I said everyone has a strength. And none of us have the same strength. That's why we need each other. Because some of us can talk. Some of us can listen. Some of us can build. Some of us can take long journeys. Some of us can memorize a lot of scripture. Some of us can sing. Some of us cannot sing. Right? And we all have a strength. You have a gift. Say that with me. I have a gift. Your father knows the gifts you have. How does he know? Because he put them in you. He built them into you. Tu padre conoce las fuerzas que tú tienes, los dones. Que tú tienes. 
And he will make every effort to reveal your strengths to you. Él hará todo lo posible para revelarte tu fuerza. That's why you go through some of the things you go through because he's revealing your strength to you. He's revealing your ability to you. He's revealing to you that he's given you something that maybe before now you didn't think was very useful, but all of a sudden in the right place it becomes something useful in the hands of God. Just like Samson took the jawbone of a donkey and destroyed a thousand soldiers in one battle, one man by himself with the jawbone of a donkey. On any other day, that jawbone was useless. But on that day, it was the tool that God was going to use to deliver a nation. Can I tell you, you and I are that instrument in God's hand. And God will make every effort to reveal to you that strength so that you can use it, so that you can conquer what he's promised you, and so that you can possess the land. God will send someone into your life to feed your strength. Say amen, somebody. I said, God will send somebody into your life to feed your strength. I'm one of those somebodies. God has sent me into your life to feed you. But I'm not the only one. God has sent a lot of people into your life to encourage you, to strengthen you, to let you know you can make it, you can do it. And by God's word, you'll be able to take that strength and be fruitful for the glory of God. Be strong. Be courageous. Look, I know some of you are going through some storms right now. You've heard about Florence. You heard about Isaac. And maybe you're going through a storm just as severe as those storms. God says, be strong. You are stronger than you think you are. Listen to that with your heart. You are stronger than you think you are. Because God has given you a promise, the promise of his eternal and abiding presence. He says, I will be with you always, even unto the end. And he said to Joshua, I will never, no, never leave you nor forsake you. So what? Be strong. Take courage. Because the God who's in you is stronger than the God of this world. And the God who's in you is stronger than the weakness in your life. Would you just stand with me this moment, this uh, evening, and let's, let's call upon the strength of the Lord. Right where you are, just lift your hands and lift your voice. And just begin to tell him, Lord, you are my strength. You are my strength. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. I pray right now for renewed joy. A renewed joy in your walk with God. I pray right now that the grace of God, that grace that the Joshua generation understands and knows would overflow your heart because you see grace is not just God's unmerited favor. Grace is God's help in the time of our need. That's why God says to you, my grace is sufficient because my strength is perfected in your weakness. When you are weak, I'm strong. When you can't, I can. When you are done, I'm just getting started. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because it's not by might and it's not by power. But it's by the spirit of the Lord. By the strength of the Lord God. So just receive that strength. For the season you're in, for the day you're facing, for the night you're walking through, we receive strength right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for renewed strength right now. I pray for renewed faith right now. I pray for a visitation of the Spirit of God who is the Lord of hosts to come and fight on behalf of somebody tonight. You said I will go with you. Wherever you go. And right now they're standing in a battlefield.
Some of them are standing in a courtroom. Some of them are standing in a hospital room. Some of them are in need of provision. Oh, God, strengthen their cause right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, you got to open your mouth. Because this book of the law shall not depart you or your mouth. You've got to put it in your mouth. Declare that strength in the name of Jesus.